Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Last week we talked really, really practical steps about the only way to be. We talked about five attitudes and principles and really how to engage in our devotion to Christ. This has been a season that we've been in uh, since the start of summer. Since uh, the second week of June, we've been talking about what it means to remain in our relationship, being devoted, being assured, being full of faith, remaining remaining connected to our source. And so last week, last week I was challenged in my share time to, um, to ask you this question. And, it, and the question was this, what if we didn't have conditional faith? What if this morning you didn't have conditional faith? And whether you want to own that or not, I think we all have some level of conditional faith. And what I'm saying is, what if your answer to God was yes before you ever ask? What if your answer to God was yes before you knew what you wanted to do or in your life today? Or you knew what you were going to hear today. What if your answer was yes? And so my first challenge to you this morning is let's do that. Let's take a step to be devoted in our devotion. Acts 2.42, where it says, man, be devoted to Scripture in prayer. We've done that this morning. I hope you've been enjoying Summer Shorts. Um, they've been uh, both uh, exhausting for me to put together, why to put together, but such a great recharge as we focus on the things that we need to be doing uh, to grow spiritually. So our big focus is discipleship. The title today is ownership. If you're a note taker, you can write the word ownership, but as you write it, you need to write owner in all lowercase and ship, S-H-I-P, in all caps, and circle the word I. Circle the word I. Today we get to do a checkup on this. Where are we now that we have those practical steps? This is a follow-up from last week. So if you missed that message, please go back and get it. And you really need to define what ownership is to you. What is ownership to you? Had the privilege of speaking to a group of men uh, this past week and talking to them about taking ownership and what that means and being the captain of your ship. And in your relationship with God, you're the captain of that ship. And and sometimes there's there's stuff going all around, you know, <laughs> The waves are crashing and the boats, you know, your ship is all in, in, going in every different direction and the cargo is going on, you know, sliding behind you and coming up and hitting you in the back. And, and, and I think a lot of us just need to get our ship in order or get our ship together is what I said this last week. Uh, so we can actually move forward, um, with progress as opposed to one step forward, two steps back. And so second Corinthians 13, five says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus is in you? And so today and, and last week and really this, this whole summer, we could talk about what to do and how to do it. And, and you know, when, when all the stars align, how it really should be going. But life happens. Life happens. And in that, um, we've got to be steady in our walk. We've got to be steady in our faith. And just because, you know, somebody comes and blindsides us or we get a wave, a wave comes crashing over the side of our boat. That shouldn't wreck our whole life. We're going to get back up. The Bible tells us over and over and over, stand firm, stand firm, stay strong, right? Be confident. And so when you talk about being a disciple of Jesus, discipleship is everything. We're talking, this is your faith. So it's your discipleship. And we've got something really cool that we're going to start next week called the decline of devotion and talk about how this drifts away. We're going to jump jump and go pretty deep right off the bat. So I'm really excited about that. 
But really, discipleship is, is one of those Christian words that's kind of been pushed out. It's like We don't really want to talk about it, but that's it. Being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, because it is your faith. It's your eternity. It's your life. It's, it's your relationship with God. That's, and, and, and it's owning that. Like This is not something that I do to put this over there. This is who I am. This is who I am as a follower. And so discipleship is looking at your decision to follow Jesus as a start. It's not a finish. So when you pray to receive Jesus, and if you haven't yet, please let me know who you are. I would love to, to walk with you in that, have a conversation, maybe get push the push the, the first domino over or get the ball rolling for you. Start having some, uh, some dialogue, conversation, go back and forth with you. But when you prayed, if you're with me today, and many people who watch or follow are, are Jesus followers, they're disciples. And so when you prayed that prayer, when you started walking with Jesus, when you became a disciple, did you believe that you started something or do you believe that you finished it? Because John 14, 12 says, I assure you, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I'm going to the Father. It's the amplified version. This, ver- this, this verse, this single verse is what challenged me to take a step in my faith. It is a massive part, if not the sole reason why we are here in the Detroit metro uh, part of our country right now in, 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 the, in the great north, right? He will do even greater things than these. And so then if this is the greatest cause on the face of the earth, am I doing everything I can? And the answer to that back in March of 2017 was no. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And when you look at John 14, you see, and and when you um, compare it to the Great Commission, go and make disciples. You have to ask yourself, am I in maintenance mode? Did I cross the finish line? Am I just maintaining? Am I in survival mode? Am I just trying to survive in advance? Am I just trying to get to tomorrow? Or am I in attack mode? Because when you're in attack mode, when you're in go mode, you're in attack mode. That's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And we're all called to go in some capacity. And the more that we mature, the more depth we gain, the more we grow in our relationship with God. He who's faithful with little is faithful with much. And so then... The more that we walk with God, the more that we see, the more we learn, the more that we can live it out, the more that we can lead others to do that, right? But, and so then, to make a disciple, you must be a disciple. You can't lead where you won't go, okay? It's just like the analogy, you can't sell what you won't smoke. Like, if, if, if I look and I see people telling me, and I think we all have people in our lives like this who, um, who would love to give us life-changing advice who love to tell us what to do and where to go and how to do it. And these people exist all around us in every part of the country. And I think the first thing that we look at when we get that advice is what we say, where do I see this in your life? Where is this evident in your life? Where can I see, um, where can I see the fruit of what you're telling me in your life? And if we see it, then we have a decision to make. But more times than not, we see and are surrounded by people who are giving us advice we're scrolling and looking at all these great things that we can do in our life. And if it's not rooted in Jesus, it's empty. And then if we do see that there's fruit in their life, we go, huh, we have a decision to make. We have a decision to make. And so then, knowing we should be disciples, knowing that we are followers of Jesus, it starts with our connection. That connection has roots. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. Revelations twenty-two sixteen 16 says, I, Jesus, am 
have sent my angel to attest these things for you, for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Knowing Jesus is the root, knowing Jesus is the source, we must remain in him. If we're going to bear real fruit, we must remain connected to the source. Because as we've learned, there's a big difference between Philippians 4.13, which we all know, you know, as baby Christians or devout Christians is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. And the reality is, as John 15.5 says, if you are not connected, if I am not the root of everything you do, if I'm not the source, if you're not connected with me, without me, you can do nothing. And so then our discipleship is a daily decision. It's not a one-time decision. Your one-time decision to follow Jesus, to accept, to receive, starts with your personal relationship. And so you've accepted that Jesus has redeemed you. You understand, you believe that he's restored your relationship. That is the beginning of something great. I can't wait to talk about this next week. So then to remain, to remain means to let the truth, God's word, guide your thoughts and your actions. Your connection to Jesus means you believe his word. You allow it to find a home in your heart and your life is an example of it. What am I saying? Be an example, even if you have to use words. This is 1 Timothy 4.12. If you're taking notes, don't let anybody look down you because of your maturity, where you are in your faith, how long you've been a believer, well, where you fell down yesterday. Don't let anybody look down you because of your maturity, where you are. Your youth is, is what a lot of versions say. But be an example in word, deed, purity, and faith in all things. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever your hand finds to do, it's coming in with a willing heart, right? Whatever your hand finds to do, it wholeheartedly is unto the Lord and not for men. Because why? Because Proverbs 29.25 says, when you put your faith in man, when you put your trust in man, he's going to let you down every single time. He's going to let you down. Why? Because we're inconsistent. The human race is inconsistent. We are flawed. We are imperfect. There's only one perfect person. It's Jesus. So then what happens is when we're an example, when we are walking around as 1 Timothy 4.12, and we come in contact with people, they taste and see the goodness of God. This is Psalms 34.8. And when they taste and see the goodness of God, that's all natural fruit. There's no effort in it. It comes out of you effortlessly because of your connection to Jesus. I'll never forget, I've told this story before, I believe, but I'm in Walmart. I used to always go to the, to, the, the one with the biggest frown. And these days, there's a lot of frowns at almost every place where people are working because um, everybody is hiring and everybody's short-staffed and they're stressed out. And so if you're going to shop today or shop this week, be nice to the person who's who's checking you out or cashing you out or, or serving you. Go above and beyond and be uh, generous to them. <laughs> be nice to them. Um, thank them for working. That's probably a big part of it. Thank them for working. So uh, this is a while back and, and I go in and I find the, the person who seems to be the most upset. This is a total judgment call on my part. Coming in, super simple. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. You know, another day. You know, and we have a conversation back and forth. Long story short, by the end of the conversation, she goes, where do you, where do you go to church? And I tell her, and she goes, she goes, I want to come there. She goes, you, you have something. And the reality is, is it had nothing to do with where I went to church. She could tell I was a believer. She knew that I, she knew that I knew Jesus. And that happens because of my connection to him, not the place that I sit in the seat, not the place, excuse me, that I serve, not the place where I'm at. That happens because of who I am. 
John 15 shows us the blueprint for this. This is how to show people who Jesus is. We connect to the source. Stay connected to the source. We bear much fruit, not by our effort, but because of our connection. And we remain in that. And when we remain, we get to show the God, show the world who God is. We show the world who God is because John 13.35 says, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If, it's a big if, it's a capital I-F if you're writing, if you love one another. We have this conversation with our kids all the time. If, it's a big if right there, guys. And it's real easy to argue and complain and, and grumble and all that stuff. And there's a scripture for that too. It says, do everything without grumbling or complaining, right? And so then your daily devotion to God begins with your intentional time that you spend with God. This means you must stop before you go. We're talking about ownership today. And so we are right on the lip of the cup. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God, that I'm ever present, that I'm always with you, that I'll never leave you. Stand firm in that. And what, what the root of this to me is, is have a real relationship. Have a real relationship with God. Don't be so um, caught off guard with the external things that come in and, and sideswipe you or blindside you or push you in the back. Don't be caught off those things because above all those things, God says, I am, I am. And so then remain connected to the source. And those times when you hit the hardest, when you're shook the most, those are the times that you need to lean in even harder to what God has for you, to who God is to you, to who you are in your faith. Those aren't times to go, oh man, there's, I got rocked really hard and I fell away and it's been three days now since I've connected, since I've sat down and prayed, since I've read, since I've actually listened, since I've worshiped, since I've actually took a journal out and wrote down what I believe God's saying to me. It's been three days and man, my life is rough and, and there's so much that I have to do that I don't, I, it's gonna, I'll have to do that tomorrow because I don't have one more day. You cannot do that. When you are getting beaten, broken, pressed, but not crushed, right? When you're in that place, those are the times we lean into God, that we lean in. And you see, Jesus, I think Jesus went through more stress than any of us. He sweat blood, right? And the one thing we see with Jesus, he stayed in constant contact with the Father. He led by example. He is still the leadership model that we follow today. Show me, don't tell me. I can show you countless times where Jesus served. The one that we like to pull out and remember is when he washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. John 13, 35 says, everyone will know that you are my disciples when, when they see or if they see you loving one another. So let's get serious. Here's the big point for today. The difference in people knowing if you follow or not is in the ownership of your relationship. And the best way for me to do this is to tell you the difference between love you and I love you. When I say love you, and it's in passing, okay? You can see like, ah, oh, that was nice. That was nice. Or when I actually stop and slow down and say, hey, I love you. Which one do you believe? There's no judgment here because I did this for a really long time. I did this for a really long time. Which do you believe? Love you. Or I love you. It's really easy. This rocked me because I used to do it. I don't do it anymore. Even in text, even as a text message, I will put that I back in front of there, right? Because in drive-by conversations and in careless contacts, what do I say here? Oh yeah, hey, love you, man. Love you, bro. Love you. Love you. And, and I get this from people who are super close to me too, okay? So Jesus didn't say, hey, love you this much. 
He took ownership. God didn't say, hey, love you, love you world so much, right? They took ownership. They took ownership. And Jesus took ownership for the entire human race. Period. And if Jesus can take ownership for the entire human race, for the sins of the world, and say, I love you this much. I love you this much. I'm doing this for you. I love you. I love you, is what he's saying. Shouldn't we take ownership in our relationship with him? Yeah. Because there's a big difference in I love you, Lord, and we love you, Lord. We see this in worship a lot. It's real easy for me to come in with a fast-paced song off the top in a, in a church setting and just, we love you. But man, when we get to that I love you song and we talk about how great God's been in our life, we have, it's, that's, that's intimate. That's how worship should be. And that's how we should be every day. You know, we have constant contact with people who take yearly trips uh, to go and, and, and meet with God. And I think those are amazing. I think they're awesome steps. I think they're awesome steps. But the reality is this, if you go on a once a year, on a once a year thing, you have an aha moment with God, that's amazing. But God wants to have that aha moment with you every single day of your life. He wants to slow down, stop. He wants you to stop, be still and connect, reconnect and stay connected. And so then our love should always have an eye in front of it. Because love covers everything. This is 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, have fervent, unfailing love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sin. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. That's the Amplified. Now, which love do you see in 1 Peter 4, 8? Love you or I love you. It's ownership, right? Love you is like a good luck. Good luck. Hope to see you there, right? It's drive-by. I love you is pausing with intention, and it's making sure that people know that you care more than they do because they won't take that ownership. Okay, and that's, that's, just, that's just real truth. You're pausing to tell somebody that I love you, and what you're saying is I care about you as a disciple, as a father. By this, people know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. What you're saying is I love you so much, that I don't want to see you go to hell. That's how much I love you. Not a good luck, hope to see you there. Hope to see you at the finish line. You run yours, I'll do mine, and, and, and I'm sure I'll see you before then, but if I don't, man, good luck. And the I establishes, that I in ownership, it establishes your ownership. It carries meaning. It makes it personal, right? Isn't personal ownership how a relationship with God should work? It sure is. We can all find a lot of things to do to justify our relationship, but without ownership, it's empty. Well, I do this for them and they do this for me. That's an exchange. There's no ownership in that. Well, if I don't do that, then, we're not, then that's not a relationship, right? That's not a relationship. Ownership is the act, state, or right of possessing something. So it's my relationship with God. We talked about this earlier. It's your faith. It's your eternity. It's your relationship. It's, it's how you move forward with your faith. And so then it's not my mom's relationship. It's not my grandma's. It's not my grandpa's. My grandpa was a great example for me, so I use him a lot. It's not any of those people's faith. It's my faith. And I run into so many people say, well, I'm this because my family is this. And the reality is, is no, you're not. You're not anything. You're not anything without Jesus. 
And unless you have Jesus, unless you've prayed that prayer and made it personal and taken ownership of that relationship that's been restored, that's been redeemed because of Jesus, then no, you're not. You, you don't get grandfathered in because, because your great-grandpa built a church or your grandma was a devout you know, Christian. You might know somebody who is something, but underneath there's something, and there's somewhere is someone. It's Jesus. There's a salvation there. The root is Jesus. No matter how they dress or what instruments they have in church or what they call themselves. This goes back to the essentials of our faith. Jesus is the root. And so then God bless everyone who came before us and those that we've, we've rode their coattails, you know, to the place where we are at, where we have to make a decision for ourselves. But their relationship is not yours. And thank God for their example. And thank God that they prayed you in because they had a great, if, if you've rode or been pushed or been drugged to church by someone, they've prayed for you more than you know. And your relationship, your relationship with God is only as good as your investment. And so then it's not a, well, they were that, so I'm that too, right? Your relationship is only as good as your devotion to it because you've remained in it, because you've stayed connected. Because consistency completes everything. Consistency completes everything. Anything that's ever been finished took consistency. It took a rhythm. And God, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, is consistent with you. It's what you know right now. If he started and finished, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he is the God who was, is, and is to come, what you know is God is consistent with you. And all it takes from you is ownership, is to say, I believe that. Man, I really need to get more consistent. I really need to get more consistent. It's the first scripture that we opened up with. And so then, where do we move forward from here? Possession. This is a popular phrase. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Well, possession is nine-tenths of the law. We all know that, right? Meaning that ownership is easier to maintain if you possess something. It's easier to maintain if you possess first. It's, it's near impossible to own something without possessing it. It's the difference between being a roamer and someone who remains. Roamers are inconsistent. They work for everything they have. It's exhausting. They're tired. Remain, those who remain are consistent, are consistent, and it comes out of them. So then no one owns your relationship with God, not a relative, not a pastor. No one can step in for you and, and bridge a gap and fill in for you. And you can't play the card, well, my mama said. Because God bless mama, okay? A lot of people saying that mama said, but, the, but your mom's possession doesn't mean ownership for you. It doesn't even mean possession for you. Similar to you possessing the keys to a house. We just got back from vacation. We've had some people uh, taking care of our dog while we're gone. And they had the keys to our house. They possess the keys to the house. It doesn't mean they own the house. If I let anybody here borrow my truck, they possess my truck, but they don't have the title and deed in hand. Likewise, if grandma prayed the prayer and knows Jesus and was devout, which means devoted, that doesn't mean that you go to heaven because she prayed. But she took me to church. Well, just taking you to church doesn't transfer to your salvation. It's your faith. Church attendance doesn't get us to heaven. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You are saved by grace through faith, not by works over time, not by attendance or boxes checked. You don't earn salvation you receive. 
you receive. And the truth is just because we know a verse or two or we visit on Easter doesn't give us ownership in heaven and it doesn't give us a relationship with God. And it's up to each of us to reach those people with our consistent walk because by this, people will know if you love, if you love. And so then we let people in our life taste and see the goodness of God in your word, in your purity, in your faith, in how you live your life as an example. Because when you stand before God, it's going to be personal. This is my favorite thing that God's revealed to me here lately. He's going to, it's going to be personal. It's going to be about what you owned. It's going to be about what you owned. What did you do with what God gave you? What you owned. And I believe that moment with God is going to be the greatest moment of your life. And I believe God wants that moment with you to be the greatest moment of your life where you stand before him on that day. And when you stand before him, you should be looking at this as a moment to stand up proud. Yeah, you're going to be in awe. You are meeting with God, the creator. You're, you're going to be taken aback a little bit, right? But my hope as a pastor, as your pastor, is that you would go boldly with your chin up and your shoulders back, right? Knowing what you've done, okay? What you were forgiven for and how you led. Believing the scriptures that say God takes those things you've repented for and he throws them into the sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. That's true. If that's true, then you can't see the moment that you meet with God as that time where, man, I just hope he doesn't hit the eject button. This is a moment of judgment. I'm not good enough. You know, we all have those things. Not looking forward to it. Uh, man, the fiery furnace. Golly, like I just hope, I hope, I hope that I get, I hope I get a pass. That's a terrible way to live life. Talking about it next week. And so then, if that's your mindset today and seeing the moment that you're going to meet God and you're just like, man, I just hope, you know exactly where you are in your relationship with Him. You know there needs to be more devotion. You know you need to take ownership of where you are. You're the only one who can address that. Real devotion is what makes you a disciple. Being a real disciple means your devotion is deeper than a drive-by moment. It's Hebrews 10, 22-23. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is consistent. The question for you today is two-part. It's two-part. Where is your devotion? Second, uh, Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, so he may support those whose heart is completely His. Where is your devotion today? Because if you're unsure, this is part two, if you're unsure, have you really decided to follow Jesus? Have you really made a decision to follow Jesus? Because Psalms 25, 14 says, relationship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him, which means those who stop and spend time with Him will walk in His promises. So what does it take to be totally devoted? It's the difference between possession and ownership. It's the difference between love you and I love you. 
Your devotion to know God better is what gives you the desire to be with Him. We call it a chair time. You will only have that desire when you take ownership. That means getting your ship in order. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. But it really comes down to putting that I back in front of I love you. When I put the I, when I take ownership, because reality is we all love to take ownership and take credit when somebody tells us how great we do. And that's right, I did do that. I am good at that. Yeah, man. But when there's something wrong, we love to cast blame, make excuses, and back out of it. And what God's saying is, when it comes to multiplication and seeing other people come to faith with Jesus, He needs you. And you can't sit in a seat of, well, whenever I get this right, because the moment that you get it right, it's going to be too late. That's real. Right now. Right now is the time to decide. Right now is the time to be an example. Right now is the time to put some ownership in your faith and stop making excuses about where you've been or what you did because God cares more than you care about that. He loves you more than you love you about that. He wants better for you than you want for you about that right now in this moment. And so that's what it comes down. It comes back down to, man, Jesus died to redeem me, to restore me. Accept that. Be willing to walk in it, be an example of it, and be consistent while you are walking. And you'll see great things happen and more people will come to faith because of you, because of the influence you have and because of who God's called you to be. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.